coming up this episode. People knowing your passion and have the heart, they will even volunteer their time and come in to help you. But the first step that you need to take is someone having the land, someone having the interest to build that building. This is the Dr. Pranor's podcast. The Dr. Pranor's podcast is brought to you by Jasper Lodge Care Centers Malaysia. Managed by doctors, Jasper Lodge Care Centers provide loving, trustworthy and quality care and treatment to all their residents. Looking for a professional aged care facility to look after your elderly loved ones? Find a Jasper Lodge near you at Talingjaya, Sri Kembangan, Penang, Kuching, Johor Bahru and Kuantan. Get your free care consultation with Jasper Lodge Care Centers by calling 015-4873-8450. 015-4873-8450 or visit jasperlodge.com.my. We are here to help. The Dr. Printer's podcast is brought to you by Pillar Malaysia, sending trained caregivers to your home. Managed by doctors and aged care experts, Pillar provides experience and compassionate caregiving in the comfort of your loved one's home for the short term or longer. For a free, no-obligation care consultation with Pillar, call or WhatsApp us at 01111-288-059 or visit us online at PillarCare.com. Pillars, your extended family. Hello and welcome to the Dr. Pranor's podcast. This podcast is the intersection of health, aging and entrepreneurship. A very interesting guest we have today. Uh, her name is none other than Jenny Lim. Uh, she is from the Alzheimer's Disease Foundation Malaysia and one of the most experienced dementia care expert in Malaysia as well. Before we introduce her, once again, I'm Dr. Lim. Uh, and with me is my co-host, Andrew Mastrandonas. Andrew. Good morning, and thank you for coming. Right, so Jenny, um, welcome to the Dr. Pranor's podcast. And uh, tell us more about who you are and what you do uh, you know, in, in the dementia uh, space. Right, first and foremost, thank you so much, Dr. Lim and, doc- uh, and Mr. Andrew, for having me here. So I'm actually uh, from Alzheimer Disease Foundation Malaysia, mm-hmm. and uh, we are a non-profit organization. And my job scope over there is to uh, make sure that we handle more projects about awareness, education, mm-hmm. and support the community uh, in the dementia world. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, um, besides doing that, uh, we also embark on different projects for fundraising. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it's actually very interesting in the sense that we get all kinds of, uh, people coming in as an individual and some of them are organization that we have never heard about and wanted to play their part in supporting the community. And we walk the journey together in the dementia world. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's very interesting. And, um, moving on is I would like to share with the community that, uh, ADFM needs all of you. Mm-hmm. And also, uh, we need more and more people to be aware about what dementia is and therefore to help other people and also spread the word around, uh, Malaysia. 
So at this moment, we have a population about 33 million. And of that, we have about 10% of aging population. And of that 10% of aging population, we have about 9% who are facing with dementia. Oh, wow. That's about 300,000 people. That is correct. Wow. And, um, you know, the most uh, worrisome part mm-hmm. is that our country is not prepared. People are not prepared. Mm-hmm. And um, also, uh, you know, the uh, planning part in mm-hmm. terms of care are not in place. Mm-hmm. Um, and we are seeing more and more people who are single, mm-hmm. living alone. Mm-hmm. And if you have dementia, what are you going to do? Mm-hmm. How are you going to cope with life? Right. What about your financial needs, the emotional needs, right. and the care needs? Wow. Yeah. And is it my understanding your background's in nursing? Yeah. I'm actually a registered nurse and I was trained in UK. But uh, most part of my career, I actually medical devices. So I go around Southeast Asia teaching doctors how to use our devices correctly mm-hmm. and have the best outcome for their patients. We hear people use dementia and Alzheimer's interchangeably. Can you explain sort of what dementia really means and how that relates to Alzheimer's? Right. Actually, d- a dementia is uh, a broad umbrella whereby we have different types of dementia under the umbrella. Alzheimer is one of the uh, topmost uh, condition under dementia. Mm-hmm. So uh, we talk about uh, dementia. It's talking about the disorder in the brain as when they age and there are many factors that are affecting that. Mm-hmm. So um, to summarize it in an interesting way is that um, depending on which part of the brain is affected mm-hmm. most, then you can see that condition that uh, have that challenges that uh, able to uh, shine out in a way that you thought is a mental illness, but it's not. And um, yeah, so dementia is very scary. It's a long journey. And Alzheimer is something that uh, people would uh, think that, oh, it's okay, I can cope with it. But it progresses on in uh, loss of memory. Mm-hmm. And from there, you have behavioral changes. Yeah. And if this is undetected and you live on the thing that, oh, it's part of old age mm-hmm. and it's not. And that is how um, people get lost, you know, just like going out and they forgot how to get home. Mm-hmm. They have uh, incidences whereby they live alone and they turn on their gas stove and they forget all about it. Oh, man. And yeah, I mean, you know, uh, if something gets burned or the place gets burned and all that, accidents can happen. You mentioned earlier that people say they can cope with it. But isn't it true that if you don't really know you have it, eventually over time you're not really coping with it? Very true, Andrew. So, um, um in WHO, right, they have done some studies and found that worldwide is having a big challenge whereby a lot of people thought that it's old age mm-hmm. and they did not go to get themselves diagnosed mm-hmm. correctly, uh, ending up that by the time they actually um, uh, go for their memory test, they ending up having already end of mid mid-stage dementia. So when you're having mid-stage dementia and you're alone without family, what are you going to do? 
Yeah. Who is going to take care of your finances and help you to plan that journey? Yeah. 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 Well, um, maybe to get back to your question about the difference between Alzheimer's disease and dementia, uh, Alzheimer's disease is a disease whereby dementia is a syndrome, um, from a medical perspective, right? So, being a doctor, let me let me explain that a little bit. Uh, a syndrome is a collection of symptoms, right? So like what Jenny mentioned is now memory loss, disorientation. These are all symptoms that could be grouped together under dementia. But Alzheimer's disease is a more specific disease condition whereby we don't know the origin and we don't know the, the, the cause, the reason of why uh, a person has dementia. It develops uh, spontaneously uh, or what we call idiopathically. And uh, dementia is... Uh, a variant Alzheimer's disease is a variant of dementia we also have uh, vascular dementia we have uh, Lewy body dementia and uh, different types of uh, other dementia as well yeah so that would summarize that but before before we go further into the topic of uh, dementia Jenny I would like to just maybe get to know you better as a person you said you were with the medical device company how did you end up being in ADFM or Alzheimer's Disease Foundation Malaysia that seems to be like a strange switch right well, it's kind of interesting. I actually retired uh, after, you know, my last thing traveling Southeast Asia. Mm-hmm. And I thought that, you know, I'll retire and uh, take care of my grandchildren. But then I found that this is not what I want in life. I want to contribute to the society. Mm-hmm. So I attended one of the uh, WAM uh, two years back. And I thought, well... This is something that I like to do. Mm-hmm. But then when I look at ADFM, they are pretty short-handed. I was there more like a, a public, you know, observing. Uh, they are, number one, they are short-handed. And number two, I observed that um, they are not really well-funded. Mm-hmm. So I thought that maybe it's something I could do. Uh, it's not that I can bring, you know, great benefits to the organization. But as a person, I thought that... Um, Putting little things together, mm-hmm. you might work out something. Yeah. Wow. So okay. that's how I joined them. All right. And, and you've been uh, with ADFMs for the past two years, you were saying? Uh, more than a year. More than a year. Yeah. Oh, oh it's, it's, around where, it's around the time where the pandemic hits as well, right? Yeah, correct. Yeah. yeah. And uh, has, has that changed uh, the organization in any way, the pandemic? How does it affect the organization? Right. The pandemic have affected us quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, number one, we don't see funds coming in that much. Mm-hmm. Uh, then the other thing is that we are not able to do a fundraising that much as well because of, you know, the SOPs and so forth. Yes. Um, then the other thing is that we are doing more on a training, but virtually. Uh, but the virtual training may not be happening to uh, elderly people because mm-hmm. they are not tech-savvy. So, yeah. yes, it is really a challenge. And we hope that we could do more with more people helping us. Like the session today, I'm sure that uh, you have listeners on your end mm-hmm. that would chip in and help together to create that awareness journey. Yeah, I think in general, the awareness on Alzheimer's disease and dementia in Malaysia is still still pretty low. That's what I, that's what I observed. And, um, you know, back in the 50s, 60s, people used to... We, we talked about this in, in our previous episode with a, a Japanese gentleman, Mr. Sayama, as well. People used to live up to 50, 60 years old, get a heart attack, get a stroke, they pass away. But now people are living much longer because of technology, because of uh, medical advancement, and they are, people are living well into their 80s, 90s. And this is when usually dementia 
develops more commonly. Uh. Of course, we have seen a lot of cases of early onset dementia as well. But um, yeah, generally people are living longer. That's why we are seeing more cases being picked up, being diagnosed. But still, I think at this point, what, like what Jenny mentioned, the awareness level is still pretty low and many people are not getting properly diagnosed for their dementia, resulting in, um, I think maybe personally, what I've experienced with many Malaysian families is what I don't know won't hurt me. So I don't want to get it diagnosed. I pretend that it's not dementia. But I think that is really detrimental to the long-term care of the individual because facts are facts, right? And obviously, in your business, you must see a lot of this. Yeah. Uh, people refuse to get themselves diagnosed because they, for them, is if I don't get diagnosed, means I don't have it. But that's not the way it works. You know, it, you, Whether you get diagnosed or not, you, a dementia is dementia, right? So still, what we really advocate as medical practitioners, I'm, I'm sure Jenny is on the same page with me as well, is to get diagnosis done early. It's not very complicated. Maybe, Jenny, would you like to share with us a little bit about how a person can get diagnosed of dementia? What, what is the procedure? What are the steps they need to go through? Okay. Um, actually, we do receive a lot of calls uh, in ADFM and people call us up uh, wanting to find out more who they should see and what they should do. So a lot of time they get very emotional over the phone mm -hmm. because by the time they call, they're actually having problem coping with their loved ones. Mm -hmm. Either they're having aggression or uh, they don't have the means of engaging someone to take care. And they are thinking to put that person in a home and, uh, well... I'll go into the home later part. Yeah, we will, we will talk about that, definitely. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, the first step is we would advise them that um, you will need to see a doctor first. And who are the doctors you should see? Um, then uh, many of them to say that, you know, their loved ones have gone cuckoo. Mm -hmm. They're having mental problem. Mm -hmm. So uh, when we ask them certain questions, it's like, uh, did they have any kind of... A history in the family of having mental problem. Mm -hmm. If not, don't rule out by yourself because you're not a doctor mm -hmm. to say that they're having a mental problem. Number one, you look at the age and if they are 60 or in birth, uh, ideally is to seek the help of a geriatrician. Mm -hmm. And from there, you will be able to get advice how to move forward. And when it comes to tests, when you see a doctor, is that they will ask you certain questions that are cognitive exercise relating to numbers, places, names, um, figures, colors. Uh, th these are the things that, you know, um, they will test you, uh, your mental status, uh, by a piece of paper and for you to write down, mm -hmm. to recall. Then, of course, the other tests, uh, blood tests. And another one would be looking into your other diagnostic tests, whether you have underlying uh, medical problems. Mm -hmm. um, well, then after that, they'll probably do a brain scan, mm -hmm. whether a CT scan or a PET scan. Yeah. Mm -hmm. This brings up two questions for me. One is, are most doctors trained to diagnose various forms of dementia? And secondly, are you saying it's a mental illness issue? Well, a lot of people think it is a mental issue, but it is not. Um, and like what Dr. Lim just uh, mentioned that, you know, for dementia is an umbrella term and you have a cluster of different medical conditions that trigger that off 
into a dementia, which you later uh, reclassify after all your mapping of a test to see whether that's vascular dementia, Alzheimer, and so forth. And many people get very scared when you say, oh, my loved one have Alzheimer. What am I going to do? And when they say that and they have memory loss, they do not think that they will get to the end stage that need total dependence mm-hmm. of care. Mm-hmm. So many people don't know that. They think it's okay. You know, as a family, we can cope. Mm-hmm. But preparedness need to be there in order to cope. Yeah. Yeah. And to answer your first question about are doctors trained to, uh, all doctors trained to perform diagnostics, I think, uh, in general, most general practitioners uh, or medical officers would have some basic knowledge of uh, diagnosing dementia. And I think the common tools we use, MMSE, MOCA test, uh, MMSE stands for Mini Mental State Examination. Um, MOCA, I don't remember what it stands for. But <laughs> it's, these are like paper tests that Jenny was mentioned to, to basically get a glimpse of the person's uh, 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 mental status, cognitive status. Uh, that could be carried out by most uh, medical officers, and this is part all. of standard medical school training. It, it is unfortunately we touch on it very lightly in medical school. It's not something that we we go deep into unless uh, this person is interested to become a geriatrician. Uh, this is where they they do a lot more, and of course we do have our fair share of training when uh, when we are being posted as house officers in the hospitals as well, and also the the term geriatrician actually we take for granted because. Andrew, you know what a geriatrician is. Jenny, I'm sure you know what a geriatrician is. I know because I'm a medical doctor. But men on the street, many of us, we don't really know that geriatrician is is a subspecialty, is a profession among the doctors that exist. Now, a uh, geriatrician simply means someone that is an expert on handling age, age people, right? People of age, like when Jenny mentioned this now, people that are above 60 years old all qualify to see a geriatrician. And geriatricians, through my experience, actually they provide very holistic care. They do, they don't just look at the the dementia uh condition of a person, but they also take care of stroke, other organic conditions like delirium, uh you know infections. They they view the older person as a whole. Therefore, direction I think is a very important uh subspecialty a profession in Malaysia, uh and not just in Malaysia in the world that could really help and benefit this uh age community and population. Yeah, um, so uh like. I think in the general population, what we, um, many of us, we know roughly what dementia is, Lawrence Titan. Um, and, and one of the things that I would say before we jump into diagnosing the dementia, uh, and, and this is also one of the more common questions that the, the people around us ask us is, how can I pick up signs and symptoms of dementia in my loved ones? And when should I start seeking medical condition? How far off should the symptoms be before I, I bring them to see a doctor or get professional help? So what are the signs and symptoms that uh, I could pick up as a layperson, as an untrained family member to, to, to help my loved ones? I think this is one of the most common questions we get. Um, okay, so um, coming to that is that behavioral change mm-hmm. in that person. So, for example, the person, you know, he was still working. Mm-hmm. And um, some of the colleagues may have noticed that they are forgetful and uh, they are slow in completing their tasks. Mm-hmm. When previously they were like very efficient and right on the dot. Uh, so, these are the pickup signs. And uh, that person who is at work and having that early dementia, 
that dementia did not develop overnight. Mm-hmm. It is probably like maybe 10 years uh, ago that they have that cognitive imbalance that started quite some time already. Okay. Yeah. So by the time they get to that age, which most of the time is near retirement, mm-hmm. and um, we have actually had uh, a client that came to us at uh, 50 over. And she ended up having early retirement because you just find that uh, people are pushing her around, but it's not. It's she cannot cope anymore. Mm-hmm. When work are being piled on to her and she find it so stressful mm-hmm. and in the end, she had to leave the job. Okay. Yeah. So if someone is, say, in their 50s and they think they're becoming a little forgetful, is that necessarily a sign of some kind of dementia? Forgetfulness is not dementia yeah you can forget about something but you can retrieve that back like for example i put my keys on top of a desk far corner on my right then i start looking for my keys but after a few minutes i can recall back exactly where i put my keys that is forgetfulness but if someone that has got dementia, they would be like doing something that they've been doing every day, like cooking rice. Every day you need to do that. And then you started to say that you put the rice in the rice cooker, but you forgot to put water. Or maybe you forgot to wash your rice and just add in water. And then when it's cooked, you don't know what to do next. That means you're supposed to get some vegetables and prepare dinner, but you're totally at a loss. Yeah. So that would be a great concern that you need to look up to see which doctor that you would like to see. Yeah. Right, right. That's very interesting because uh, it's often... I, I know why you asked ask that question because sometimes there's... Not a, because of my age. I know. But, <laughs> but sometimes there's a stigma. Like old people do have the stigma. So are you saying I'm... I'm demented, I, you know, and, and they get annoyed. Sometimes they, they get, they go into a denial mode. I just forgot my keys. How dare you ask me to go and see a doctor and say that I'm, I, I'm, I am possibly having dementia. You know, they probably trigger them. They, they get angry because of a lack of understanding of the medical condition. But that being said, like Jenny, uh, as of now, we know that there's no complete cure for dementia or Alzheimer's disease. What are the benefits of getting diagnosed early then? For example, if a person does have dementia. Early diagnosis is something that we are trying to promote this year. Mm -hmm. It's actually under the ADI uh, for the World Alzheimer Month is diagnosis, early diagnosis. Mm -hmm. So the benefits of having early diagnosis is actually a better planning for the caregiver or the family Mm -hmm. and also for the person with dementia. Now, the person with dementia, when they are being diagnosed early and knowing the fact early and not going into a denial state but with acceptance, Mm -hmm. they can start planning that journey. If they may have certain wealth in them, they may want to look into perhaps getting a POA done, power of attorney, or maybe a trustee being set up so that they can allocate the amount of uh, finances into their own care. After you have worked so hard for so many years, you would like to have a better care, you know, at the end of that journey. So that planning is important. But 
in our Asian culture, most of us would say that, oh, I've done my will. You know, I let my children handle it. So that is um, a common thing that happened, ending up sometimes the parents may be even abandoned Mm -hmm. in a nursing home because the children all decide not to pay. Mm -hmm. But they have taken all the wealth from him. Or maybe um, a very sad case I would like to share is that, you know, a relative, you know, had a stroke. Mm Um, and ending up that he have his mental capacity at a certain level at the time he had the stroke. And then the ex-wife came by because he had no children and his family members are not that close to him. Ex-wife came by and uh, said that she would take care of him. Mm-hmm. But end up, whatever will that he had made earlier was rewilled again to her. The house was sold. He was put into a very cheap um, apartment with a maid. Mm-hmm. End up, he died of COVID. Wow. And uh, yeah, these are the things that uh, give me goosebumps and uh, get me get me emotional, because I, I well, dementia is something very close to my heart because it's a disease of the soul, right? In the sense whereby your body is still alive and your your mind has kind of left. Right, and it's very sad to 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 be alive like that without having the consciousness or the awareness that you're still around because you know in inside it's gone. So it's something that is very close to me, and I get very very uh, extremely annoyed when people take advantage of uh, people with dementia because they know full well that this person does not have the full capacity of to make an an informed or educated decision, and yet you know it's it's. They they take the opportunity take the take advantage of this person's current mental state, current um, uh, medical state, in order to in order to get personal gain, and very often we see like what Jenny was sharing just now. This happens among family members. Yeah, majority I think happens among family members, and that really gets my blood boiling. Is <laughs> <laughs> uh, is dementia or some forms of it hereditary? Yes. Um, well. They have actually done research and they ask a lot of questions. You know, uh, any member in the family had dementia? And uh, if you say yes to that, likelihood that, you know, uh, you, you need to be aware early and plan ahead. Uh, that might be, you might end up having dementia or you may not. So a lot depends on uh, how you take care of yourself in terms of socialization, in terms of your a cognitive exercise, your diet, your physical activities. Yeah. So um, having said that, uh, all is not like one thing you do and you think that, oh, it's been taken care of. It is a few things that you need um, to do in order to prolong having dementia or, well, to avoid having dementia. Yeah. And when you say it could be hereditary, is it usually a parent, a grandparent, an uncle? Where does it usually come from? Do we even know? Yeah, so they are saying that it could be like genetic. So they are looking into that as well. Uh, so there are a lot of uh, research that has been done on that. Um, how people look into dementia will is also another research that has been done. Uh, not only looking genetic, having a dementia, but also, once a person has dementia, what is that dementia world like? What is the person looking at 
the world or at the path that they walk when they have dementia,、mm-hmm. because they are not looking at a wide road like you and me. They are looking at a road that gets narrow and narrow, and eventually it gets into darkness. Basically, you are saying research are being done to see. See the life of a person from a dementia perspective. Are you saying that? Yes. I yes. think I think Elon Musk's、uh, Neuralink.、Uh, it's something that is very interesting because you know, like the recent video that came out last week,、uh, the monkey was able to to use Neuralink to play、right. ping pong,、yeah. virtual ping pong, right? So, so I think that would be a very interesting tool moving forward to kind of like understand what's going on in dementia's person mind, because now. Many of the time, we ask when we when when we try to communicate with the deme- person with dementia, it's very difficult because they don't it, they can hardly express themselves. So with something like a Neuralink, I think that is definitely that would that definitely be a step forward in terms of you know managing people with dementia. Yeah. So follow up question on that, I think would be: Is dementia preventable? What can we do now to prevent、uh, you know getting dementia? Yes, it is preventable. But once you have it, you can't reverse it.、Mm-hmm. So preventable is like,、uh, you know, even though you're retired, don't isolate yourself.、Mm-hmm. Don't stinge. Go for brain food.、Uh-huh. Yeah, socialization. <laughs> And、um, a lot of people, they are when they retire, right? They have a certain amount of fun, and they start to plan. I can only eat so much a day.、Mm. I can only spend so much a month. But without their active income, we actually don't blame them.、Mm. So,、um, as a society, we need to think much more than that. How can we help the elderly to prevent dementia?、Um, maybe it has to start from the finances part of planning,、mm-hmm. and of course, knowing the fact that if what dementia is all about, if they know it, then they themselves need to start planning. What I was thinking is that. Um, previously, I thought that if I have a half million to retire, I'm rich. But it's not, not anymore. Not enough now. <laughs> half a million is not enough to、it's、retire. It's not anymore.、Yeah. Like you said, you know, in one of your、uh, podcasts, that you need about five thousand a month. Yeah, yeah. So who has that kind of money if you are earning about two, three thousand a month?、Mm-hmm. So what's going to happen to this group of people? Is our government doing something? Probably not. So what are we going to do as a community、mm-hmm. to come together? You、yeah. said earlier about socialization related to preventing dementia. How does that work? What does that do? So when you socialize with people of you know different interests, you are having that cognitive exercise to communicate. You are having that cognitive exercise when the person may have a different interest from yours, and your willingness to learn from that person, either playing some kind of musical instrument or perhaps even. Chatting or doing a podcast, a podcast like this, <laughs> yeah, 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 right, definitely, yeah, yeah. yeah. Ah, so so what I understand with、uh, with preventing dementia is, for example, today I meet you, Jenny, for the first time, and、uh, so we 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 form a link in in a neuron neurological system in my in my in in my brain, and the more we meet, the more neurons are、uh, are connected. So it's. The reason why the people with dementia kind of still remember things from the early earlier stage of their lives and cannot re-、uh, have recent memory recollection is because they they have they would have all these neurons connected and even when 
part of the neuron is lost due to the due to the dementia, there are still some connectivity that's going on. So what I'm essentially trying to say is to prevent dementia, one of the ways also keep using your brain <laughs> yeah. and keep connecting connect, connecting with one another. I'm sure you won't forget me, Andrew. You won't, right? I hope. I'm trying, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, you know we mentioned this uh, briefly just now about dementia in nursing homes, right? And uh, Jenny said you want to talk about that. So, so people with dementia, you know, should they be living in a nursing home? Well, because care is so expensive, and um, if they live alone at home, and the children could be overseas or are not living with them, uh, what option could they have? Mm -hmm. Right. Um, then, uh, nowadays we also have many caregivers who say that they are certified dementia trained. But what kind of certification are we looking at? So the government actually need to formulate something mm -hmm. about certification for caregivers, uh, who are dementia trained or, uh, caregivers certification for their end of life care. Mm -hmm. Um, they need to be in place, but we are not seeing that. So if somebody were to print out a certificate and they created themselves that I'm dementia trained, but when they go to the home of a dementia client, they could be sleeping. Mm -hmm. I'm not so that they will, but assuming. Not competent. Not competency is mm -hmm. not there. Mm -hmm. And when you are with a dementia client, you need to keep them um, doing something, you need to interact with them, you need to keep them in that brain activity, mm -hmm. you need to uh, educate them or re-educate them, things that they know how to, they used to know how to do, but they have forgotten. So that connection needs to be there. But if someone is not trained, they may be just there like a companion, but not providing them those cognitive exercises to delay that dementia or to stop it from progressing further at a faster rate. It sounds like it's much harder to care for someone with dementia than someone who is just bedridden or have a stroke because the elements that are involved in caring for someone with dementia is much more complicated and uh, many more things that need to be taken into consideration as compared to someone who is just bedridden or have a stroke or have a, have a bleed in the brain and whatnot. And... How does this training work then? What what is the ADFM doing, or what are you doing personally on on you know making sure you said the government needs to come out with some form of recognition? What what direction uh, are, are you all taking when it comes to this kind of training for for people? And do, do and I guess the other question is, do I need to be a medical professional to learn how to become a trained dementia caregiver? I think these are the questions that probably our listeners would have in mind. Yeah. So, um, first and foremost, we all need to understand that when dementia progresses, the brain regresses. Mm -hmm. So, when you understand that part of that formula, then you relate that to a child. Mm -hmm. A dementia person who may have progresses on to mid-stage or end of mid-stage, they would have the mentality of perhaps just a three-year-old or two-year-old a, a child. So their cognitive uh, skill is no longer in place. Mm -hmm. So if you have that, then you would know that caring for a dementia client is not easy. I would ask, you know, the audience, is it easy for you to care for your 
eighteen old, uh, eighteen month old baby、mm-hmm. who is trying to learn the baby steps of things.、Mm-hmm. You need to keep coaching. You need to keep on the lookout so they don't put small little things into their mouth、mm-hmm. and swallow it. Um, to hurt themselves, right? So it's the same thing. Is For a dementia person that progresses with the condition, they actually regresses in the brain where they need total guidance, total care, and observation in case they do something that may they harm themselves as well, and they are prone to falls and they fall easily. So, what are the steps that you need to take in terms of the home environment? Is it safe? You may need to modify the、uh, furnishing. So that part of uh, uh, taking care a needs skill is not something like oh, I'm a caregiver. I do everything for him. But when you do everything for a person with dementia, that person have lost that independence、mm-hmm. and the will to live. Everything's be done for.、Mm-hmm. So my mom has dementia,、oh. and she is eighty、uh, eight. But we are seeing a slow progression. Uh, the reason being because、um, I'm actually staying with my daughter, so my daughter have got a younger son, and、uh, that so many generations staying in the same home.、Mm-hmm. So that kind of uh, cognitive uh, exercise is always there. You know how children will react with a great grand,、mm-hmm. and so on. So yeah, it's fun. Talking about homes, I've read that in the UK and in Europe, specialized homes have been set up. To deal with dementia patients, where they modify the environment, they have different cognitive interactions. Is that happening here at all? Even in Japan, like Mr. Sayama was sharing with us, like there is a dementia, specialized dementia nursing home in the community, and they train the rest of the community members to watch out for these dementia adults. So they don't lock them in; they they let them free roam. But the whole community, the whole village, is kind of looking after them, taking care of them, taking、uh, care of them together, together with the authorities and the police as well. So I think they are making strides in Europe, in in Japan, but. The situation seems like not much is happening in Malaysia, right? So, for that kind of a home environment to happen, you need people to come together. ADFM would like to do that very, very much.、Mm-hmm. And if we have some, you know, charitable organization or a group of organizations that can come together, number one, it need to be a purposeful built building. A new building where you can design with that kind of space and with that kind of、uh, environment. At this moment,、uh, ADFM have got an old bungalow that you know we make do and put in whatever that we can. So we recently have got a sensory garden, right?、Uh, we just created and it's still in the midst of doing up.、Uh, we have、uh, our client that come in, but a small number. You are, but mostly focus on daycare services right yeah, now. Yeah, daycare.、Right? Okay. So daycare is something like a respite care as、mm-hmm. well, meaning that the family can get their time off, you know, for that number of hours and do their little things, or perhaps you know to free themselves、mm-hmm. from that caregiving. So、um, yes, that's what we are doing. But if we have the space, we would want to do more. To answer to your question, Andrew, do we have that? Happening in Malaysia, yes, there's one in Para, right, and it's run by a doctor,、uh-huh. and the building was actually being、uh, donated, the fund being donated by one of her patient that passed away. 
So she was able to build from scratch, and it is really a something that ADFM would like to have as well. Mm-hmm. Is it really important to build from scratch? Can you adapt existing structures to make this work, or is it very difficult? Existing structures don't have the space and don't have the uh, the kind of concept. So ideally, if you are thinking of uh, a place whereby there are the need to do all those activities, you would want to dwell into a person-centered care. Not all of the dementia clients have the same interests. Some of them like dancing, some like singing, some like to do cooking, some like to just play mahjong or card game. So if you don't have the space, it's like I have one activity everybody have to join in. Some will lose interest because I never like to, to do games like that. You know, they will just sit by themselves. So, so you need a bunch of different areas or rooms in order to do this effectively. Correct. Correct. And, and, that is correct. And the workforce as well, which yes. I think it's a, a challenge, right? Yeah. So are you saying it's not advisable for us to send a person with dementia to a regular nursing home in Malaysia? Well, not a right. Well, depending on the stage of dementia, mm-hmm. if they are having, you know, towards end of first stage, mm-hmm. and the family can't cope anymore, want to put them in a nursing home, then um, first and foremost is to find out the interest of that client that is going to your home. If the client like music and if able to, co- co- uh, you know, accommodate, even like having an iPod, you can accomplish that music therapy. That the person like. Uh, if the person like cooking, you also have your own kitchen, but make sure it's safe and you can get a person involved into simple tasks like peeling onions, garlic, and so forth. So that person-centered care is involved in your, your center. And most of all, you know, is that respect and dignity for that client what they like to do so you never force on them something they don't like to do if somebody built or converted a center specifically for dementia is that something you think there would be a lot of clients for for and would someone in the nursing home industry want to do that Right. When we look at that, number one is when you do something, it is from your heart. Mm-hmm. It's with passion. And we have passion, right? And you build a center like that in a strategic area. Like, for example, when you talk about KL slang, we don't have that. But we actually do have a major population that are faced with that kind of problem. People knowing your passion and have the heart, they will even volunteer their time Mm -hmm. and come in to help you. Mm -hmm. But the first step that you need to take is someone having the land, someone having the interest Mm -hmm. to build that building. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Circling back a little bit to the question uh, I asked you just now, right? Uh, Does does it have, do I have to be a, medical professional to learn how to be a trained dementia caregiver? Or can I be a lay person and still pick up the skills to care for someone with dementia? Uh, sorry about that, Dr. Lim. Yeah. I, I actually overlooked your question. No worries, no worries. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, for dementia 
care skill. Mm-hmm. You can be a family member, you can be a maid, and you can be trained. Mm-hmm. So basically, uh, in that training is a six-hour training, mm-hmm. whereby uh, you we give you a rough idea of what dementia is all about. Mm-hmm. Then we go into the behavioral and psychological challenges. In a dementia person mm-hmm. to make you understand. Then we also go into communication, meaning how would you communicate with a person with dementia? For example, like if the person with dementia is having aggression, mm-hmm. what would you do? Would you restrain that person or would you distract that person? So we know that. You need to distract. You don't restrain them. You need to calm them down and taking take them to a different environment of the person's interest. So that calming is very important, rather than shouting at each other and aggression get even worse. Is that the biggest issue? I've heard of this about aggression and dealing with that is a huge issue in dealing with dementia patients. Is that sort of the biggest issue you have to face? Well, because uh, they have got different challenges. They sometimes go into depression as well. Mm-hmm. Um, then they go into aggression. They go into hallucination. Yeah. So it's all kinds of a uh, related a uh, brain disorder that you would think of. So if the person is not trained in that, you know, they will use all sorts of method, uh, trying to you know to counter that kind of behavior. Sometimes it end up that. They go to the wrong doctor, perhaps, mm-hmm. and uh, if the doctor don't get the whole history, mm-hmm. they may just be based on some kind of uh, antipsychotic drugs yeah. alone, mm-hmm. and and that may not be able to address the problem. I'm not a doctor by profession, so mm-hmm. I won't touch any of the drugs. I'll mm-hmm. leave it to Doctor Lee. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can always yeah. fi- uh, find me for a consultation online. Yeah, we, uh, I'll be ha- I'll be glad to advise. Yeah. Yeah. So um yeah so this kind of of things to happen so it is important that uh family members and family caregivers do come to ADFM mm-hmm. for a free training we don't charge for those six oh. hour training wow so you're saying that ADFM is offering a six hour training program to basically equip a a person that is not not necessarily a medical professional to to have the basic skills of caring someone with dementia and you're doing it all for free yes oh wow and what about like for example nursing home staff uh, is, is it advisable for them to also go through this six hours program to learn how to deal with dementia because as i recall the nursing school is not something that is being taught right yeah so what's what are your thoughts on this Yeah, so nowadays, right? Um, they have a new course called gerontology. Mm. But in my time, uh, when I did my nursing, uh, and you know how many donkey years ago, uh, we only, you know, we only had a geriatric uh, modules. Okay. Yeah, so it's all about caring for the elderly, um, and also oncology module, but never dementia module. So I also learned dementia recently only, mm-hmm. and of course with my mom. So I picked up a little bit more faster. Yeah. So yes, for a care workers right now, ADFM have decided to provide free training for mm-hmm. care workers. So. 
um, you know, um, anyone who is a care worker out there working in a nursing home. And if you think that is available, please do uh, write to ADFM or just contact any one of us in uh, ADFM and we can address that training. Yeah, what we'll do is we'll put the link website link in our podcast description so that those that are interested can always click on the link to find out more about ADFM. And I know some caregivers who could use this training. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Um, and do you get some kind of certification or something from your organization when you do that training? Well, um, at this moment, our certification is only of attendance. So ADFM is applying to ADI, Alzheimer's Disease International for accreditation. Mm -hmm. So when that comes about, and also together with our Dimension National Policy, we hope to do something different. But as of now, uh, you know, I can't really discuss that. Who who are the trainers that are going to train these people uh, for your dementia course? Uh, we actually have a group of 29 trainers. Okay. Uh, with me being one of them as well. Mm -hmm. But majority of our trainers are doctors who are geriatricians. Wow. Yeah. So, uh, we are actually very blessed that, uh, we have got three lead trainers mm -hmm. that have done, um, a virtual class, uh, in 2020. And we are, you know, ADFM is actually uh, the first in Southeast Asia to do a virtual training mm -hmm. uh, under ADI um, kind of a linkage. So having said that, the three late trainers, we have one from HKL, uh, Dr. Elizabeth Chong, mm -hmm. and we have from UM. Dr. Ko Hui Ming. Okay. And we have one from Hospital uh, Alosta, mm -hmm. and that's Dr. Tae Hun Lan. Mm -hmm. So three of them are our lead trainers, and they are helping us to uh, get the framework together for us to roll out because with the silver tsunami, mm. you know, is going to be very busy for all the trainers, and we are embarking to get more trainers. Yeah. 26 trainers that are volunteering their time, providing a free dementia care course for the population of Malaysia. I, I do see a, a glimmer of hope in, in the dementia care industry in Malaysia because, you know, having this conversation with you, Jenny, it opens my eyes to see that, yeah, there are actually a lot of people out there that are passionate about dementia care and are not just being passionate, but actually doing something, you know, for, for, this, for this community and to prepare for a larger community of dementia people in the future. I think that's very encouraging. Yeah. And also figuring out how to provide more facilities for people with dementia, I think, mm -hmm. is important. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we definitely need, I'm looking forward to the dementia, national dementia policy from the government. I, I don't know the contents of that yet, but it, it, it's got to start from them as well. You know, it, it can't be just us in the private sector, in the, uh, in the non-government organizations pushing this agenda forward. Because if the politicians, if the, if the, People in government in power are not taking this seriously and not having the will to move this forward. Then we will be facing a very very tough uphill battle. But I'm I'm glad to see that you know things are moving, albeit very slow. But progress is progress, I guess. Absolutely. Yeah. Um. So maybe um. To we are gonna we are coming to the end of the episode. So um, Jenny, what would you have to say to Malaysians in general? And maybe to the caregivers uh, that are caring for someone in dementia, what what would your, what would your message to them be like? 
Well, my message actually is in line with uh, this year's plan mm -hmm. uh, under ADI is early diagnosis. Mm -hmm. Early diagnosis will actually have a better plan for the caregiver and also the person with dementia in terms of better care, in terms of better planning. So we know that many of the dementia uh, clients have been uh, misdiagnosed or undiagnosed. So having this in mind, uh, you know, please do seek a doctor mm -hmm. for a test if you feel that you could be having a memory loss that is of concern. Yeah, it shouldn't be a taboo anymore. Um, you know, if you have a condition, please just seek professional help. That is the best way to move forward and to have clarity on the current condition that you have. So I, I'm fully supportive of uh, ADI's um, this year's campaign of, of getting more people diagnosed earlier for all the benefits that we have uh, mentioned during the uh, throughout the, the duration of the podcast. Andrew, you have any last words? Oh, this has been fascinating. I've learned a lot today, and I think there's more we can do, whether it's a private sector or the public sector or the NGO sector. I think we need to come together to start thinking about how to do that. So, Jenny, if someone wants to donate, for example, or volunteer their time, how do they, how do they get in touch with ADFM? Well, just write to uh, office.adfm at gmail.com, mm -hmm. or you can Google uh, at our website, and you can actually find the link and also the contact number there. So office.adfm at gmail.com and you are looking for donations, you're looking for volunteers and if you know you are a landowner that would like to donate your piece of land or your building so that we can build a specialized aged care facility, do get in touch with us as well. All the descriptions, all the information will be in the description of the podcast. Right. Thank you so much, Jenny, for your time. It's been wonderful. It's been fantastic. Um, it's always a pleasure to, to learn. And um, we hope that you enjoy your time here with us as well. Uh, take good care of yourself. Uh, it's difficult right now. And I know you are going to embark on your training soon. Uh, that, was, that is on the 10th. Uh, sorry, what, what dates are the training again? Um, the training, right? Uh, if you do have a group, for mm -hmm. example, mm -hmm. and if it's a subscription group, that we can actually organize a one-off training. Mm -hmm. So as long as we can get the doctors and the trainers according to the dates that mm -hmm. we are set up. So uh, the announcement of training is actually in our caregiver uh, website, mm -hmm. our support website, mm -hmm. and also it will be in ADFM website when we have training. All right. I look... Thank you very much. Really appreciate your time. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, my name is Dr. Lim once again. Together with me is my co-host, Andrew Mastrandonas. This has been the Doctorpreneurs Podcast, the intersection of health, aging, and entrepreneurship. See you guys. Thank you so much, Dr. Lim and Mr. Andrew. Thank you. Bye. Welcome. Bye. Bye.